Today is uh, Wednesday, Shushan Purim, March 11th. This is the women's Chumashir. We're in the middle of Parshas Vayera, Perak Yutet of Sefer Vereshit. Okay, Rabotai. We are in the midst of Parshat Vayera and in the middle of chapter 19 um, we are exa- up to Pasuk Chet of Perak but what I want to do is complete our discussion last week of the comparisons and contrast between the episode in Parshat Vayera with the people of Sdom with the episode recorded in Parshat um, in Sefer Shoftim concerning the episode of Pilegesh Begiva. So last week we read the entire episode of the uh, in Pilegesh Begiva. I'll just recapture it for a second. And we read the Ramban's theory as to why the people of Pilegesh Begiva were not punished as harshly as the people in Sdom. It was a lengthy Ramban. Today we're going to see Abarbanel's questions on the Ramban, as well as one or two of the Balakeda, and see the Balakeda's, his own interpretation, what differentiates uh, the two of them. So if you remember, our Parsha is um, handling the case. Two people come to visit Mr. Lot. Um, They decide to remain outside. Lot uh, prevails upon them to enter into his house. The house is surrounded by virtually the entire city, old and young as well. Whether you were next door neighbor or even lived in the suburbs of Lot, everybody came. And they demanded the two individuals. the uh, Lot did not uh, allow that to happen. He brought out um, his two daughters instead. And then um, uh, the angels went to work and destroyed the entire city before anything actually happened to the two daughters. The, and yet, uh, and then the city was destroyed completely by HaKadosh Baruch Hu through a rather cruel and unusual punishment, sulfur and salt, apparently causing enormous pain if it, once it touched you, that combination. I haven't experienced it, so I can't describe it. I hope none of you have descri- uh, felt it either. So that was our parsha. Then we read Sefer Shoftim, where there was a person traveling, and uh, he comes... He's traveling home. The hours maps getting late. He's traveling with a friend of his, and uh, they decide not to take up residence in a Gentile town, specifically looking for a Jewish town. So they spent the night uh, at this guy's house, and it happened to have been in the territory of Binyamin. 
And they were headed to Beit Lechem Yehuda. Yehuda and Binyamin's territory abut one another. And in fact, the Beit HaMikdash is exactly midpoint um, at the borders of each and half the Beit HaMikdash is built in Binyamin's Chelek and the other half is built in uh, Yehuda's Chelek. So they're on the way to Eretz Yehuda and um, they stay at this land Eretz Binyamin. There are individuals who uh, who come to the to the house and they say uh, please let us have your guests those two individuals and the owner of the house says no I will give you um, my daughter and his concubine that's what I'll give you the daughter apparently they let nothing there's no indication that they harmed her at all but the concubine was raped multiple times and left to die somewhere in this area she manages to creep to the steps of this house the guy comes out as if nothing's happened initially that's the way it's recorded to us and um, all of a sudden he notices that this concubine is uh, lying there then she's dead at that time she's dead and what happens is um, all of the representatives of all of the tribes um, gather around what we think is the Urim Vitumim to ask them uh, who shall lead us into battle Miya Alet Chila and God supposedly answers it is Yehuda it doesn't say black and white that it was the Urim Vitumim one of the garments of the Kohen Gadol that had all of the letters of, and the names of each tribe. And when you asked a question, the answer was lit up based on the letter combinations that are found in the Urim Vitumin. That's, and it's, it was on the Choshen, the breastplate, which had these individual stones. The Torah uh, will speak about it in... Um, it, it spoke about it this week in Pasha Tzavah, that there were 12 different stones... And that's how they articulated the answer. It doesn't say explicitly that they asked Urim Vatumim, and therefore it is going to be another suggestion which uh, will help explain why this had such a dramatically negative impact on everybody. Because the first two times that the nations, all of Am Yisrael's tribes, attacked Binyamin, they are defeated. The Binyamin tribe emerges successful. They defend themselves, and not only do they defend themselves, they kill lots of people. If you remember, 40,000, and then 28,000. So, uh, 38,000. It was 78,000 people in total who were killed by Binyamin. But after the third time, Binyamin is destroyed, or, or defeated. That's where the episode ends. Fine. So the Ramban had noticed we showed uh, we when we read the text inside we made references to our parsha, almost identical phrases and words which are a key for the Ramban and today that's 
a lot of the modern biblical scholarship from the Gush Gang uh, as to how they operate, how they develop certain theories based on commonalities in text. So the, um, we read the Ramban uh, inside last time. And now I want to start with the questions of the Abarbanel on the Ramban. So it's on page 4. I happen to have found in this Sefer, Hogut B'Parshiyot Torah, which is an excellent Sefer on the Parsha, on the, all of the Parshiyot. They have like Sugyot. It's not a line by line, it's themes of the Parsha. It's an excellent book called Hogus B'Parsha by Rav Gershuni. So he summarized the Ababinel, as you see in 10 lines. In the Ababinel, it's about 22 pages. So he writes, Ulam. Abarbanel Yotzei Chotzeitz Neged Hezbeiro Shel Haramban The Abarbanel uh, goes out um, as, chalut, as, as an armed soldier against the uh, explanation of the Ramban Hu Shoel Kama Tmiot Al Hezberzeh Aleph Lama lo hayta zechut lebetin shel hashvatim lishpot et shevet binyamin. The Ramban had said, we didn't read that part yet, but I'm just going to tell you, that why did Am Yisrael suffer the loss of 78,000 people, which was done in order to teach the people of Binyamin a lesson that you have no right to treat any human being like you treated this uh, Pilegesh. This concubine, you had no right to do so. So their intentions were were uh, were good, were decent. So why did they suffer the loss of seventy eight thousand? So the Ramban said, because the task of judging the people of Binyamin is up to Binyamin. In fact, in fact, there is a Mishnah in Masechet Sanhedrin. And Avzayin Amaralf, I should have photostatted the Mishnah for you, which simply states the following. There is a parsha in the Torah. A parsha in the Torah. It's called Parshat Shoftim. The mitzvah of appointing judges. There is a famous pasuk there, Tzedek, Tzedek, Tirdof. You've heard that pasuk. Fine. So the first pasuk of that parsha reads as follows. You can open it up if you'd like. It's perfect. Just open up. You have the text. You don't have to do it by heart. Shoftim v'shotrim titen lecha v'chol she'arecha. Asher Hashem elokecha notein lecha lishvatecha. It is Divarim 15. The beginning of Parshat Shoftim. Should be, I don't remember what Parshat 16, 17, something like that. Everybody have it? Don't be lazy, look it up. Don't be lazy. Oh, okay. What? So in this pasha, before I read this particular pasha, I'm going to show you, I'm going to show you just to look at before you look at the beginning. I want you to read Pasuk Chet and Chet. Chet and Chet. And Yud. Chet, Chet and Yud. 
Chet, Tet, and Yud. Perak Yud Zayin. Chet, Tet, and Yud. Then you'll go back to the beginning of the Parsha, which is Tet Zayin. Ki Palei Mimcha Davala Mishpat. Bein Dam Ledam. Bein Din Ledin. Ubein Nega Lonega. Divrei Revolt Bisharecha. Vekamta Vealita El Hamakom HaShivchar Hashem. If there is any halacha that you may not be familiar with, yipalei mimcha davar, something is lost. Bein dam ledam, bein din ledin, bein nega nega, various different types of cases. So where do you go to uh, resolve those unknown uh, halachot? Where do you go? Or if there's a, you go, vikamta vialita. Where, what phrase does that remind you of? Where are you going? To which famous city? Yerushalayim. Because the Bet, this is the Pasha of the Beit Din Hagadol. That we have, under the auspices of Shoftim B'Shotrim, one of the courts that is established is a court called the High Supreme Court. The Bet Din Hagadol. Its chamber was one of the chambers, the rooms in the Beit HaMikdash. That's where the Sanhedrin sat. If you want to see what the Sanhedrin looked like, next time you go to Israel and you're looking at the Kotel, right at your left, there is called a building called the Idra. That's Rav Garin's Yeshiva, what used to be Rav Garin's Yeshiva. And he built a Sanhedrin room which recreated exactly the way the Sanhedrin looked with 71 seats. Because it's described in the mission in Sanhedrin. Three rows of 23 seats, that's 69, and two seats, one for him and one for someone else. One was going to be the Nasi and one was going to be the Abbetin. I'm sure he had imagined that he was going to be one of the two. The Nasi or was anybody here on Shabbos at the presentation of the Scholar of where he spoke about the uniqueness of Rav Garin? It was a spectacular presentation. It was a spectacular presentation. Spectacular. He was one of the most creative Rabbanim around and was scared of no one. Um, and uh, unfortunately, he left as a bitter man, left the rabbinate as a bitter man. Um, when they, fo- they failed to follow his advice and give up some territory in Binyamin, which he felt was not... Pr- uh, in, Eretz, in, in Shomron, he felt he wasn't allowed to. It was a whole thing. And, of course, the famous Langer case, which... Uh, what? The Mamzerut case, which he was the only one of the major poskim who said that the Langer children are not Mamzerim. No one else agreed with him. But anyhow, so if you want to see what the Sanhedrin will look like, it's just, he thought, it, he, he built it in his building, but of course it's not going to be in his building, it's going to be on the Harabait, in the Beit HaMikdash. It's one of the chambers, it's called Lishkat HaGazit. The Lishkat HaGazit. So, that's the Sanhedrin Hagadol. However, now go back to the beginning of the Parsha. Go back to the beginning of the Parsha. Shoftim v'shotrim titen lecha b'chol she'arecha 
Asher Hashem Elokecha Notein Lecha Lishvatecha well, What does that mean? So, so Ah says the Mishnah in Sanhedrin each Shevet had their own baked in because it says Asher Hashem Elokecha Notein Lecha Lishvatecha Shoftim Vishotrim Titen Lecha Lishvatecha you are to establish a judicial system for each Sanhedrin. And where else are supposed to be other courts? The Chol She'orecha, in every major city. She'orayach are normally gates, because the bet thing, the Sanhedrin, as we saw with Mr. Lot, actually uh, sat, that's where the Sanhedrin was located in most cities. Most city courts were held at the gates. She'arayim. The Torah uses that expression all the time. El Sha'ari Ro. Means coming to the Sanhedrin. It's not the Sanhedrin Agadol. It's a lower level. It's a basin of usually 23 Dayanim that are allowed to handle monetary cases and capital cases. Where there is a punishment mark. You need 23 Dayanim to handle that. Each Shavit had its own. So now going back to the Ababanel, the Ramban uh, said that the rest of the tribes had no right to judge the people in Yehuda for punishing the, uh, for, for raping the Pilegesh. Why? Asked the Ramban, uh, asked Ababanel, why didn't the rest of the Shvatim not have a right to do so? And the Ramban will say, I'm telling you, I know why. Why? Because that's what the Torah says. Each tribe should judge itself. Lishvatecha. Well, what do you think the Ramban's, the Ababinel's reaction is? Why did the other, how are the other tribes justified in light of Ababinel? Didn't forget the Pasam from the Chumash. So why does he justify and feel that the rest of the tribes had the right to judge? Why? Because they didn't do what they're supposed to do. Because the Shevet bin Yamin did not assemble a court and punish somebody for that particular woman's suffering. They did not. So once the uh, once the tribe of uh, bin Yamin did not do so, it is now the collective responsibility of everybody else, claims Abarbanel, to engage in some type of uh, retribution on, in defense of that particular Pilegesh. Number two. Im avon Yisrael hayarak al milchama If the transgression of the rest of Am Yisrael were because they declared war lehachriz milchama lama nikfu pa'amayim Why would it have to be punished twice? The first time, in the first encounter, 40,000 died. That's a pretty good lesson. Buddies, keep your nose where it doesn't belong. Keep your nose out of where it doesn't belong. But then the second time, you've got to punish them again? Another 38,000? Okay. So, yes? If there was a dispute that was between two different shots in, yeah, wouldn't that also go to the other court? Like he wasn't coming down in. That's correct. But the episode took place in Binyamin territory. Therefore, they should have... That's his feeling. That might be an answer. 
he wasn't a member of the Binyam, he was a member of the Yehuda tribe. So then the Yehuda tribe should have been the only ones engaged in this. Not all of Am Yisrael. Number three. Sorry, yeah. To, to all of the tribes. Of the That's tribes. correct. So that, that was a challenge to each of them to get involved. Good. That's correct. That's at least an emotional challenge. We don't know halakhically where they have the right. And I, I should say at the very outset, and this happens not once, not ten times, hundreds and thousands of times in Tanakh. We all think that everybody followed the Torah. Every single time. There is nothing further from the truth. Chazal, the Midrash and the Chazal, try to analyze episodes in Tanakh in light of the halachic policy that has been established. But truth be told, neither in the Torah nor in uh, Tanakh are Am Yisrael necessarily following the laws of Torah. And in fact, the biggest proof for that is, what is the single most frequently quoted topic of every single Navi when he engages in not describing the history of his time, but morality issues? What is he criticizing? Of a desire. They're all worshipping idols. Am Yisrael, having entered, all worshipping idols. That's in the text. I don't need a medrash for that. So, if you're, if you're worshipping idols, I don't think you were worried about putting on Rabbi Tam's phone. Um, you know, they, they did not live their lives in accordance with a halachic perspective. And here, all of these mifarshim, they're all guilty of it, try to impose the halachic standard that became the norm of Am Yisrael after the destruction of the first Beit HaMikdash. During the second Beit HaMikdash times, Am Yisrael were pretty uh, compliant. They're trying to take those norms and read into in Tanakh. This is not once, but hundreds of times. Hundreds of times. Now, question number, th- number, th- uh, number three. In B'nai B'nyamin lo chaku, lama nimtsuru b'pama shishit b'yidei matkifehem. Why would, why would they uh, uh, prevail upon by the rest of the tribes the third time that they went out? On the first time, they afflicted much harm, 40,000. On the second time, they afflicted much harm to the rest of the nation, 38,000. All of a sudden, the third time, they got killed to smithereens. If they were not wrong, uh, why did God enable them to be defeated? Question number four. If there is an idea that the rest of Am Yisrael were wrong for involving themselves in what? In the affairs of Shevet bin Yamin. That's not a question I want to focus on right now. Fine. So, um, look at the next paragraph where Abarbanel will tell you what he thinks is happening here. Omer Abarbanel. 
Mikama Ta'amim. They would deserve to die because of several reasons. One, Mishkav Zachor. That's the question which the next commentary is going to ask on a Barbanet. They intended to do so, but they did not do so. Because he did not provide the guests who had come. That was their intention. And we know that HaKadosh Baruch Hu typically <coughs> does not punish for people who want to do an Aveir. Ein HaKadosh Baruch Hu mitztarev machshava ra'ah lemaaseh. God does not count evil intentions as if you did it. We'd all be in trouble if, we, if God did. Um, so, under those circumstances, uh, what do you mean, Mishkat Zohar? I don't know why in the world he said that. Number two. Number two. Here is where he disagrees with the Ramban. Pilegesh he ishes ish. So remember what the Rambam had said? A pilegish is what? Not an ishes ish. All it is is a mutual agreement to have relations with one another, but there is no act of kiddushin and does not need a get. That was the Rambam. Well, he disagrees. Daddy has a right to disagree. And he writes, pilegish he ishes ish. He nisal bekiddushin. There is a ring transfer in the presence of two witnesses to create the bond of Pilegesh as Eishes Ish. No Ksuba. No Ksuba. Which is a very difficult interpretation. Because many people think that a ksuba is a marriage contract. It has nothing. It's, it's an insurance policy. In case of divorce, or where the husband predeceases his wife, you pay the terms of the ksuba to give her some financial uh, setting, some financial uh, means of survival. In today's times, it's a pittance of what a court generally Oh, and so we wind up never paying the ksuba. It is worth $17,000. That's it. So anybody who has a half-decent lawyer, not a good lawyer, half-decent lawyer, is going to get more in alimony than $17,000 for the rest of your life. $17,000 for your whole life. That's it. That's what it is. Unless you happen to be of Sephardic origin. Because they, in their ketubah, and I was caught off guard a little with this once when I was honored to read a Sephardic Suva. It was like three, yes, three times as long as our Ashkenazim. There is a, an idea in a Suva called Tosefet Ketubah. Add on to the requirement in the Talmud it's called Matayim Zuz. You'll hear that phrase in the Suva when the guy reads Matayim 200 Zuz, which is $17,000. They have their own edition. So with one uh, that I read, it was like uh, 400, it was a very odd number, $488,000. $488,000. That's a lot of money. But most people 
Uh, it's so why would you go ahead? That would be the distinguishing feature between a prelegesh and a real wife. They are both your wives. But when your wife passes away, you have an obligation to give her uh, a life insurance payment. But if the prelegesh, uh, if you die, if you die, uh, but if it's the prelegesh, you have no responsibility. Or you can divorce her because you require a debt to get rid of a prelegesh because she was engaged. It's hard to understand. Much more plausible that a Pilegesh has no marital status whatsoever, as was the Rambam. But he disagrees, because he disagrees. Good. Number three. They uh, uh, grab this Pilegesh by force. Rabbi violence. They didn't ask her if she wanted to have relations with anybody. Four. Inu pilegesh admavet. They're obligated to get to, to, to suffer because they killed a human being. That's why. They raped her to the point of murder. And number five, he favorite Hasegar Hamidini. When people read about this in the paper or online, what's going to happen? Nobody's going to want to go to that city anymore. And what happens to all of the businesses? They suffer the loss of their tourist industry. Just like today. Just like today. But what, what El Al is uh, losing is just incredible. Incredible. They said it's going to be in the billions of dollars if this continues. In the billions of dollars. So, those are his explanations. Good. Yeah. And he says, well, what's the difference then between Sodom and Giv'ah? Sodom and Giv'ah. Sodom, this was a repeated offense. Giv'ah, it happened once. So God does not react as uh, angrily if an event happens once as opposed to Sodom which has frequent flyer points uh, based on their Averot account. And therefore one is punished harshly by HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and one is punished only modestly. If you go now to page number one this is the Akedah, Rab Yitzchak Oroma, the Bala Akedah. A medieval Sephardic uh, parshan on the Chomish. And he writes. He asks lots of questions in the first bracket. I don't have enough time to handle that. Please look at the second bracketed line, just a couple of lines which he posits his theory. Amnam. Yishuv ha'inyan hazekulo. The way to resolve this uh, issue, the heter sfeikosav, and to remove all of the difficulties or the things that we're not convinced of, who bishinasim leiv elmashe katav hachoker beperek yud mehamamar hazayin misefer hamidot. Just he quotes. Uh, Sadjagon who wrote a book called Sefer Hamidot and he's got the answer that I'm going to use what does it say? Behevdel Asher 
Bain Hachote and Harasha. Ki Hachote Asher Inyanohu Bilti Kovesh et Yitzro. A Chote at a time, what does he do? Can't control himself. He can't control his, his desires. Exactly. Which he's, he's attracted to this. That's his loss, that he can't control himself. Amnam sichlo no nifsad. What hasn't he lost? His logic, his understanding, his rationale and understanding what is right and what is wrong. A chote makes mistakes. What's a chote? A, tra- a sinner, a sinner, hate, a sinner. The harasha, who shihit aver, the hasechel bonitzadim. A, a rasha is not only that somebody who can't control his urges, but somebody who is intellectual faculties no longer recognizes the difference between right and wrong. Asher As a result of what I just said, two other critical differences emerge between a chote and a rasha. Ha'alf. Shaharasha bilti mitnachim le'olam me'ra'ato. The rasha never expresses remorse or regret for having violated. Never. Ki'ein lo seichel shi'ya'oruru alzeh. Because he doesn't have a brain He's the tin man. He doesn't have a brain to what? To to what? To distinguish that he did something wrong. Kigamhu beikar because the brain is participating in what? In the revolution, in the rebellion against God. But a person who is just a chote, once the excitement passes from his transgression, once it's over, he had his kicks. What suddenly restores him to normal? Once his passion has been fulfilled, what happens? His brain starts taking over. Hahu hagover al sichlo. Hine hasechel hahu yashuv leitano. Eventually, what will prevail in this person? Not his emotion, but what? His good senses. Yashuv leitano. Umit at save bimaaseil. He will eventually exhibit some degree of remorse for his actions and that which he had done. That's number one. 
Number one difference between the two. The Hasheni ki hachote shesichlo shalem efshar lekabel refuah. A what? A if somebody was a chote. Even if God would like to punish him, he's receptive to the punishment. And what does it serve? Medicine. It serves like a medicine. But God will punish him. Make him suffer a little. That will be taken as medicine. Because when you start suffering a little, what does your mind tell you? I know why God is doing this. Why? Because I acted yesterday or the day before inappropriately. And from that begins the what? The recovery. Amnam harasha ain lo shum davar mimenu. Yutchal habriyot. The Russia has nothing which enables him to begin the therapeutic process. There is no cure for such a person whatsoever. So, Rabbi says, herein lies the difference between Pelegesh Begiva and Stone. All Sodom was ever characterized. Remember we pointed out that the Torah never said what they did wrong? That's it. They are ra'im. They're bad. They are rishaim. That's all I got to know. And hence, no matter what God would have visited upon them, it would not be sufficient to mend their ways. They're never going to learn a lesson. Never. Hence, the only alternative that HaKadosh Baruch Hu had was what? A rap, a totally destruction. The people of Pilegesh, the people of Eretz Binyamin, were not those types. They were Chodim. There's no doubt. They were terribly wrong for having done what they did to this Pilegesh. But she was not, but the city as a whole was not uh, characterized me, as Rishaim, and hence the medicine that HaKadosh Baruch Hu doled out in their defeat by the hands of the other tribes on the third try was enough to teach them a lesson and indeed no merely Tanakh is it recorded that this particular episode was repeated. This particular episode was repeated. And um, as every single Navi has prophesied, every single without faith, God tolerates um, the the people who worship Avodah got away with it for thousands, hundreds of years, hundreds of years. We don't find the Eretz being destroyed and attacked, right? Not at all. Not during the time of the Shoftim. Not during the time of the first day of when they were still worshiping Avodah Every day they, they go along and they survive. It might even encourage them to continue to worship our design. But what does God have no tolerance for whatsoever? When you treat a human being inappropriately. That Akkadish Baruch is not going to allow 
something to happen without uh, retribution. So although they were not wiped off the map completely, the people of Binyamin, they suffered. They lost that third war, and they lost quite a number of people, and a lot of property damage as well. Because HaKadosh Baruch Hu felt that they were um, um, they were uh, guilty, and if you engage in Ben Adam Lachavero, that's far worse than Ben Adam Lamakom. When you come this coming Erev Shabbat Chazon, the Shabbos before Tishabav, pay attention to the words of Yeshayahu, which is chapter one. Pay attention to the words. We read that the Shabbos before Tishabav every single year without faith. Without faith. And what does he always say? What does he say? He doesn't want sacrifice. Exactly. I don't want your sacrifice. Don't come to base on Mikdash. I'm not interested. Just do one thing. Said that. Exactly. Treat the underprivileged, the Yatom and the Almana, treat them pro- uh, properly. Human beings, God sticks up for. For himself, he doesn't have to stick up for you. Worship over the Zara, you know, Nishkefer. Yes. Now, in light of this, of these explanations, please go to page number three for a minute, and you will see an incredible Mishnah in Masechet Avot. Commentary Yitzchak Oralov. He, he wrote uh, his commentary called the Atedas Yitzchak. Rabbi Yitzchak Oromar. So, in the fifth parak of Asechet Avot, it's a numbers game. There are ten of this, there are ten of that, there are four of these, there are four of those. Good. So, starting in in um, in Mishnah Yudbet, uh, it starts Be'arba, certain things with number four. And in Mishnah Yud Gimel, which I bracketed for you, is another Mishnah with number four. Arba Midot Ba'adam. There are four characteristic traits which can describe human nature completely. One. Ha'omer Shali Shali V'Shelcha Shelcha Zumei Anybody who says, what's mine is mine, what's yours is yours, that's an average person. Skip the next line for a minute. Skip the next line. I mean the next four, five words. Just skip. Shali shelcha, v'shelcha shali amaras. Somebody who says that mine is yours and yours is mine, he's just an ignorance. Shali shelcha, v'shelcha shalach, what I have belongs to you and what you have belongs to you. Chasid. That's a very generous person. And Shelcha Shali, Vishali Shali, Rasha. So if I say what you have belongs to me and what I have belongs to me, that's a Russia. But now go back to the first, to the second line. We're talking about who someone who says, I, what mine is mine, what yours is yours. That's the average. The Yeshomrim. Zumi that stone. Zumi that stone. Wow. 
What a, what a powerful statement. That if I say, what belongs to me belongs to me, what belongs to you do, that's done. That's precisely the way Stone conducted themselves. They didn't go out from Stone to the next town to rob them. They honored the personal property of another town. But what did they say? What belongs to us, buddy, don't you ever consider sharing or uh, not interested in what? Not interested in what? No cooperation whatsoever to help another human being. It's mine. I never share what I have. Even you're in a crisis mode. Some darshanim use not only Viesh Orim as others who say other than the author of the Mishnah, but it's Viesh Orim when there are lots of people saying this. In other words, when it's just one person who says, you know what? What yours is yours, mine's mine. So you come, somebody comes knocking on my door and needs some assistance. I'll say, he says, sorry, I'm not interested. Even if you have the T-neck to Uda, I'm not going to give you any help. Not interested. Okay. When it's already Vyesh Orim, when it's already a whole city saying that, and that now becomes what? The statute, the law of the land, that's me, that's so. That is Midatso. So the difference between Pilekesh to Giva was this was a couple of citizens who acted terribly inappropriately. But they did not pass laws against protecting individuals by the township of Binyamin. They did not. Whereas Stone, this policy is not just reflecting individual characteristics, but as we said so often, it becomes that the laws, the township laws. And that is Midat Stone. To have an entire township conduct themselves in such a fashion, that undoubtedly is Midat Stone. And that's the Vigesh Omrim Zu Midat Stone. Unless he wanted to say that when the God says I'm going to go down and check, it, it created the impression that he wasn't 100% sure yet. And that's why I brought up. Had he known definitively, he wouldn't have wasted his time. That's what's, we, we came across that. Came across that. All right, we'll stop here, Rabbi Tai, and we will continue.